York, New York, big city of dreams. I'm talking, talking, I'm coming straight out. New York, New York, big city of dreams. What's going on? This is Jay Ellis from the Nick of Time Show here giving you that Nick's talk just in the Nick of Time and the Nick's Molly Wop, the Nets, or aka the Brooklyn Paint Jobs, as I like to call it, 121 to 102. All right. Listen, RJ Barrett gives you 14 points, five rebounds, and two assists. Jalen Brunson gives you 16 points and eight assists. Hartenstein. Monster game gives you two points and 10 rebounds with two blocks in Mitch's absence. Josh Hart gives you 10 points and 13 rebounds. IQ gives you 19 points. Dante's Inferno gives you 23 points, eight rebounds, and three steals. And Julius Randles having a phenomenal season and finishes with 26 points and seven rebounds on the night. Bust those shots for Julius Randle. The Knicks out-rebounded Nets, 42 to 32. Don't forget the Nets, they're a top rebounding team in the league. They're they above us in rebounding. We beat them in rebounds. Our, our fast break points are 21 to 16 advantage Knicks. The bench points are 40 to 31 advantage Knicks. The points in the paint are 52 to 40 advantage Knicks. And it's just advantage Knicks all over the place. We finished this road trip in general on the winning side of basketball. All right. Three wins. Two losses. This is supposed to be the daunting part of the trip where everybody's scared. We come out of here with a winning record. Uh, the, the, the criticisms about the Knicks being mediocre and not being able to beat the good teams or teams over 500 is starting to the piss it. It's starting to disappear a little bit with this run, and we're playing some of our best basketball, some of our best defense, but still some little ways to go. But it's looking really good, man. And I, I'm excited to talk about it. Let's talk about the good, the bad, the ugly, but it's a lot of good today and i'm gonna introduce my guy you already know the latin assassin the espn contributor to posting and toasting contributor lee escobedo is back what is good lee man very happy to be back and love that it came right in time for a nits molly whopping of everyone's least favorite nba team yes. the, the Brooklyn nets basically the, the ginger fires yes. the colonizers uh yeah man I had to take a little mental break that elapsed my medication, came at a very difficult time while mom's been in the hospital. So I was just trying to take care of my mental health. I had a lot of brain fog, didn't want to come on here looking like a fool. Uh, people roasted me in the comments more than they usually did. So I, I was I, I was able to catch some of the game, but most of all, I was taking care of myself. I was able to get emergency medicine. Everything's back in my system, man. I'm feeling, you know, that equilibrium's uh, maintained. So I'm feeling good again, feeling like myself. And very happy, bad talking to my main man, Jay Ellis, about these nits, baby. Let's go! Let's go! Back better like yourself. And you know who's feeling better than himself lately? I have to start out this program once again, giving big, big ups, praises to Julius Randle, man. Second time in a row, I have to just start out this program with giving this man a lot of praises. 
that's supposed to be a 26. But Julius Randle gives you 26 points, seven rebounds, and four assists. And the last post game, I said, I think he's playing his best, best basketball. He's playing his best basketball of his career right now to me. He's found a winning formula. And he, he's, he's a unique blend of power and finesse. And right now, I feel like he's able to harness his power. Years before, I feel like when he used his power game, he would get into trouble. He he would uh, he would actually commit a lot of like offensive fouls, and he wouldn't be really controlled. But right now, this year, he seems like he's controlling his power, and he's combining that with touch around the rim. And when he's double teamed, he's able to find other players and pass them, pass it up to them for open shots. And today, and the game before. You're starting to see the defense start to work his way in with Julius Randle as well. So, like, to, I, I'm looking at, I've always said, man, this guy's maybe a top eight power forward in the league, top seven. Right now, to me, right now, he's playing like a top two power forward in the NBA. It's it's unreal. It's it's scary. He He's beating down Anthony Davis. Um, he scored 40 over Giannis the other day. I just felt like he wasn't playing defense enough that game. But if he's playing, if he's playing defense versus the Bucks and giving us that high quality shot making and the high quality playmaking, we should be in a different spot versus the Bucks. I'm I can't wait to see what he does versus the Bucks. I feel like this is a this is a nice time to play a high caliber team to get a gauge of where the Knicks really are. And I'm really happy with what Julius Randle has done so far. This was a great year for me to throw myself 100% behind Joyce Randle. Um, it, it was it was it was easy to do it at first because Obi Toppin's no longer here. There's no longer any discussion on who should start. You know how is Obi ever going to be unleashed? He's gone. So the moment that he was traded, I decided, man, you know we both know when Joyce Randle is, is, is locked in. He's playing unbelievable bully ball and being helpful on defense, active on defense. He's easy to love. Yeah. And as someone who struggles with mental illness myself, I mean, you saw we didn't have my medicine for eight days, bro. I was going insane, man. And I think he has found what works for him. And that's very important. Like the, the Zen mentality, the deep breaths, you know, the calm breathing, and also being open to being coached and looking out for his teammates. All those things are making him a better player and supposedly a better person as well, man. And that's why I want to give a shout out to mental health, everyone out there listening in the chat, man, don't be afraid to talk to somebody. I'm, I've been in therapy since 2008, long time. I've also been on medication now for three years. If I wasn't on both those things, I probably wouldn't be here right now. So you got to find your peace. You have to find out what your peace is and how your peace can send yourself and then embrace it fully. And don't, you know, don't let fear or anxiety guide you. Try to learn to help yourself and get the tools into your toolbox to be able to help yourself because the therapy's not always going to be there. Sometimes, like me, your medicine laps, you got to have those ways mm. to calm yourself down. Randall is embracing that as well. Some nights, you know, his shot's not there. Some nights, other guys are cooking. He is learning to acquiesce and put the team for him. And it's causing him to be more quicker with his reads, quicker with her reactions. Quickly getting a shot up. He's yeah. not hesitating anymore. He's not thinking so much. It's apparent the game has slowed down for him. But not only is he seeing the double team, he's hitting it early and he's throwing crisp passes. And he's really getting his teammates, guys who need to be help initiated, initiated. And now we're seeing the, the full functionality of this offense when all gears are clicking. 
hey, man, you know, those wildly optimistic Tates are coming back to the chamber. I'm ready to fire a few off. You know what man, I mean? <laughs> it's, it's looking, man, you, you looking like uh, Lee Damas right now. I'm not going to hold you. <laughs> I'm not going to hold you. Like, I still want, you know me, I miss the, I still want to see more. I still want to see more. Um, I want to see how, how long he can do this, but this is the most optimistic I've been so mm-hmm. far this year with the outlook of the team because when I'm looking at the way Julius Randle is playing and the way Jalen Brunson is playing, I feel like both of those guys have gotten better from the previous year. So they both of your best players have gotten better from the previous year. And the, the team should benefit from that. And I feel like we're inching closer to what we're supposed to be. Um, and I'm starting to be more and more open to the idea that maybe we don't need a third star. I'm, I'm starting to be more and more open to that idea, depending on um, what we can do with these tools and imp- guys improving. Maybe we just de- do need like the right ancillary piece to make it all work together. That's that's the way my mind is working right now. I always say I, I want to see more. I want to see how sustainable it is. But from what I'm looking at, the way Julius Randle is playing, he's found that formula. He's playing old school, beat him up basketball. Mm-hmm. Shout out to Terry. He said that there's nobody else in the NBA playing this brand of basketball. This is like old school 90s. Yeah post basketball what other big is really doing that for real maybe Embiid, maybe mm-hmm. sabonis uh but and at the level that he's doing you know what i mean mm-hmm. at the level that he's doing so he he's on he's on another plane right now and when you have yeah, him right. and jalen brunson who who you know jalen brunson is averaging around seven assists his last 10 games julius randall Right now, he's averaging he's averaging 27 points, 9 rebounds, 5 assists, shooting 57% from the field and 35% from three his last 10 games. But both of these guys on the uptick, um, sky's the limit, man. And we're now we're beating good teams. Now we're beating good teams. Now we'll see if we can beat the great teams. Uh, real quick, Alex said that he sent you a recent you have a graphic. Got you, Alex. Um. Yeah, man, he's playing like a cross between Bernard Kane and Anthony Mason. The physicality and like his ability to like rip through in the paint yeah. and basically break himself free, no matter who, no matter who's guarding him, and no matter how many guys are guarding him. Yeah, that is one of the most top ten unstoppable moves in the NBA right now. Yeah, that's used repeatedly, and he is starting to use it at the right time. Not when he's too far away from the basket, he ends up getting called for a charge or a carry or a travel or a turnover. That was happening years prior. He's getting in the right spot and doing the, the move at the right time. And not only is he getting the bucket, he's getting those and ones too. I love to see it. And one of the things that got me through these last eight days, Jay, was a super intense argument you and I got on and on Twitter over Bojan Bondanovic. And there was a key thing you said that I wanted to clarify. That I clarified then, I want to clarify now too. This is very important to show not only you were right, but also I'm able to say I was wrong, which is Julius Randle, the one thing we haven't seen. He hasn't been clutch. Yeah. He's had a closer yet. And you were right last year when we debated and I said he was, and you said he wasn't. And I, I, I give you your flowers. I was wrong. And I still haven't seen that, even though he's finally breaking the even number year yeah. season or whatever, where he does some good to bad. We're still not seeing him be the guy 
that closes teams out consistently. That role is still on Brunson. And at the beginning of the season, it was on RJ. Got to see that. And we got to see it in the playoffs. Otherwise, the reputation of him is going to be historically a great regular season player who doesn't show up in the postseason. Yeah, I agree. Like, I, it was a nice the Lakers game when it was like around four minutes left. The Knicks called a play for him. They had Brunson screening Anthony Davis. Julius Randle pops out to three, and he was able to hit a corner three after not really hitting a lot threes that game. He hit it. That was to me was a big shot for me. Um, uh, that was a clutch shot. To, so you know, even though he hasn't had he, he that to me was was a, a a move in the right direction as far as clutch play from Julius Randle. I want to see more, but at the same time, although I do want to see more in the clutch area, I'm I'm very comfortable with him. I'm very comfortable with Jalen Brunson closing. I'm very comfortable with Jalen Brunson closing and having that be his role. My thing is, in the playoffs happen, and I said this last year, when they take the ball out of Jalen Brunson's hands and they force somebody else to beat us, can they beat us? Can Can Julius Randle take that responsibility and beat them? The way he's playing right now, it's looking like he can't. I, I want to see how this works during the playoffs, during bigger games versus the Bucks, et cetera, et cetera. But it, we're looking, we're going in the right direction. I'll double down on one of my, uh, you could probably call it goofy takes, is that I said he wasn't a closer, but he did everything else that a closer does outside of storing. That has continued. He's getting pivotal rebounds. Yes. He's making the right reads. He's passing the ball. He's getting second opportunities, and he's playing pretty good defense in to close out games. More than he does maybe in that those second quarters or early third quarters. And I mean, he's also a decoy. He's a constant 24-70, even though he hasn't, he's not the closer and the rest of NBA teams know that. Even in the playoffs, we saw it's hard to, to lag off him. Because I mean, if he catches it and he's wide open, I don't worry so much in those clutch moments. It's when he's guarded heavy or double teamed, he hasn't made quick decisions. That's when I did a little bit scared. But man, he's been in beast mode lately, and I really, really, really hope it continues into the playoffs. It's not really him and Brunson we're worried about right now. It's that third peg of, of the trio that's been uh, very disappointing since the migraines. Wow, wow. Um, all, all, all facts, all facts. Shout out to the chat who's keeping us abreast of what's happening right now. It seems like there is some breaking news right now. Very bad news for, oh, for us Knicks fans. Man. That... Uh, Unfortunately, I do have a lot I want to talk about during this post game, but we're gonna to have to detour Man. Uh, to to highlight this. But uh, Shams has said the New York Knicks have applied for the NBA to the NBA for a disabled player exception, worth seven point eight million, as the franchise projects center Mitchell Robinson will miss the rest of the season. Bruh. What? Oh, that is rough. What what's the reason given? What's the injury? Major development as Robinson had ankle surgery last week. So maybe they fig maybe they saw that the ankle isn't is is bad, is worse than they thought, which is horrible news. Really bad. Oh man, this sucks. This really sucks. This this is the type of news that. This is this is the type of news that can change the trajectory of your season. For sure. I think it's important that it 
changes. It, I agree. It is going to change trajectory. And I hope it does it in a dynamic way. I hope that Leon Rose stops with the Tibbs ass kissing with the Taj Gibson whack ass signings and adds some size to this roster and some space and ability at the five. Obviously, you have been hold on to Isaiah Hartenstein, but I think now stop worrying about the Donovan Mitchell trades and worry about getting a, a true backup power forward and a five who can space the floor. I know people say, well, there aren't a whole lot of those. Well, you might have to give up some assets to get one that's pretty good. Don't, you know, the Miles Turner is, I think, is a space where it's too high outside of our price range. It will affect our future trades, but there are some other guys out there, uh, like a, a Kelly Olenek type player. Go get a dude like that. Someone can be our backup four or our backup five who can space the floor. Because Sims, if this is going to go on to the playoffs, we need someone who can be a starter-esque, not a pinch hitter like Sims. Yeah, I I agree. We, we're going to have to do some major thinking on how we're going to approach this center position moving forward. Uh, man, Kelly, Kelly Olenek is a guy... Not really a tips guy. Offensively, he, he can pass. He can shoot threes. He can spread the floor. Um, I mean, it will give us a different wrinkle that we're not used to having for sure. So I don't know if he's available. Uh, 7.8 million. This is a time to try that. Going out there in Orleans Noel type player, I think is a mistake to try to replicate what Mitch brings. Yes, it's it's terrible, but there's a silver line now. You can put some, implement something that the team has not seen in the last couple of years. And to me, it's not to someone who has – Playmaking ability and three point shooting. Yeah, I'm not. I'm. I'm not mad at Nerlens Noel. I'm not to be to be honest with you. Like Nerlens Noel has done well for us when Mitch was out. You know, really know how Tibbs is. Tibbs is gonna want. He's gonna like. He might like Noel just because he's familiar with the system. I I agree with you though with the Taj Gibson thing. It's that seemed like nepotism at its finest. Like I, we really yeah. don't need a power forward playing center. Um, totally. This is bad, man. That sucks. <laughs> that really sucks. Um, the good. I mean, listen. The only real silver lining is this next man up. You know, Hartenstein. Beast has been playing amazing. Most underrated player on the roster. He's been playing amazing. He he's had a, a career high seventeen rebound game. The last game today. I think he had a 10 rebound game and offensively he's giving us something a little bit different than Mitch. Um, he's giving us a little bit more spacing. Um, he his He's giving us a faster pace because of, of his touchdown passes. He gave a nice one to Julius Randle. Um, I, I, I feel like maybe having more time has allowed him to figure out how to play high level defense and block shots without fouling. Unlike he used to, because I feel like he was a hackathon. It's it seems like the more the more minutes he's getting, the more comfortable he's getting in his role. Uh, so hopefully that continues. Um, but also it can it can change the trajectory of our off season. Like something like this can change the trajectory of our off season because you know Hartenstein is playing backup minutes. He's playing that backup center position. Now, all of a sudden, you thrust him to the starting center position. His value goes up. Um, then the Knicks have an even bigger decision to make. With his value up, we have to pay him more. Will other teams have to steal him? Um, do you look at Mitch and go, man, this is a big injury. 
he's he's he might be looked at as an injury risk moving forward. There's a lot to go into this all season outside of the Knicks just trying to find a star or the Knicks just trying to find uh, a three and D wing to go with our starting lineup. This this gives the front office a lot to think about at the trade deadline and in the offseason. Yeah, there are definitely some different directions they can go. Uh, one of the ones I was thinking was maybe it's time to go all in on Laurie Marketing. Bring a seven-footer over, maybe even play him at some small ball five. He is seven feet, or he can be a super big four or three in some lineups with Hartenstein. I, I think he gives you flexibility, and he, he allows your insurance even when Mitch comes back. That then he can slide into a three and play in the wings with the bench unit, even plays a four or five. I think that's a play that we should go after. I don't know what the combination of guys would be going out, but when I look at this roster from top to bottom, the guys in the rotation, the guys out, the Evan Fournier is there, there for salary filler. To me, it appears that the highlight piece that will probably be moved this season or this summer is RJ Barrett. And he's probably the one of all the rotational players that I advocate for based on what his return to net. It's a much higher return than what Josh Hartstein give you or Dante DiVincenzo or Hartenstein. I think RJ and get you back some good pieces, some depth. And if we are going to make a move, I have a feeling he'll probably be the one involved. Um, I I I find it extremely hard to believe that Laura uh Gloria will be a Nick. Why? Because well, one, Danny Ainge is the devil. For one. Mm-hmm. Two, the Knicks have been in lockstep with getting Tom Thibodeau, Tom Thibodeau as players, guys who can play defense. Those are the guys they really prioritize. Uh, and mm-hmm. Having Laurie play the center is so far away from what the coach has done so far that I can't see the 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 front office string that far away from what we've been doing already. I I agree with you. It, it is hard to fathom that. I think it's what they need to do, though. I think going with the Tibbs type guy, we've hit a ceiling with that level of mentality. And it's also, it's in lot steps. So I get it. Your front office and your head coach must be aligned and you need to funnel them players at work. That's why Fournier and Kemba didn't, but I do think it's time to try something new. It's not as if Mitch is there and you're saying no to Mitch and choosing something else. Mitch is not going to be there for the rest of the season. I think going out to market in and seeing what you need to be at the five and then slotting him back at the three or the four when Mitch returns, that's an experiment. I think is worth going after. And those big packages we saw for Donovan, I don't think Donovan is worth that. I do think marketing is worth that. Yeah, and it's I, I feel like I, I'm on this, I feel like it's a pipe dream, man. Like Danny Ainge is like I even I was even reading up on marketing and Danny Ainge wants five first round picks for marketing. Like he's insane. You know I don't know I mean? if that's five unprotected. He he that he Danny Ainge is insane. He's he's asking yeah. for more than what he got for Donovan and his hard draft picks. Like that is not it's not happening. If it's five unprotected pits, no one's gonna go after that. Not, not a he, single. He's team. not really. He he's saying he he's saying he's open to trading him, but he's really not open to trading. He's not. So I'm like it's. I don't know. I feel like I'm giving too much brain power to even thinking about that because I, I already know. Fair enough. That that's that's not going. <laughs> I don't, I don't think that, that type of that type of forward thinking experimentation. I'm more interested in that route but I am getting someone who gives you some of what Mitch gives you and nothing that he doesn't also not give you. Like I want someone who gives it a different element, a different wrinkle. We saw what Hartenstein's add to the offense. I like for someone else to bring something new to the five position. 
now that Mitch is out for the year. And and and, and God bless him. I, I pray for nothing but a very quick, healthy, stable recovery for our man Mitch. Yeah. Uh, I mean, for me, I still I'm a defense guy, so I like my centers who can defend. Now, if you can defend and play and shoot the three and give you something different, then mm-hmm. by all means, I'll take that as well. But I, I like I like defense, especially and like I said, our best our best player is still a, a six foot point guard. So I think when I think about roster construction, I think about how to cover up what other guys can't do on the court. And because he's not the best defender on the court, I feel like we have to figure out how to have other guys around who can cover that up. Like so I, I I'm so like like I'm not sure what big centers are even available. I'm not like I don't think other teams are really willing to give up centers right now, to be honest with you. Like the centers I've seen that might be available are like Nick's Claxton from the net. Um possibly because I feel like, you know, he could be a free agent, but I don't see why they would give him up. Uh, I think I see Valentunas might be available next season as a free agent, but the Pelicans are in the middle of their chase. I don't think they're ready to blow anything up. Um, Agreed. So, um, yeah, then there's projects, you know. There's the projects, like, like I, sh- I shout out to Alexander who said Wiseman. Uh, Wiseman is, he's a he's a project, very, he's, he has skills, but he's so raw that that um Tibbs Tibbs is gonna have his hand full. <laughs> Tibbs is gonna like like he's not the guy who's gonna be ready this year when we're we're competing for a playoff spot. Like he he's gonna he's a guy who's going to need time. You know what I mean? <laughs> so like it, it, I feel like we're gonna be put in a corner where we're just going to have to go for like like an Andre or a Dwight or I don't know, you know what I mean? Like not not really a big name for sure, for real. That sounds terrible, but you're probably right. Yeah, <laughs> Whew. yeah, man. But that's that's what I'm that's what it's looking like right now. Ooh, what a dang! What a like what a hamper on our good win today, man. But. Yeah, I'm hoping Hartenstein can answer the bell because Hartenstein is, is is doing really well for us, and he's expanding our offense. This so at the same time, man, this is still an opportunity for Hartenstein to step up and affect this team in a positive way, and he's done a good job so far. Um, and he will have to continue doing a good job. And he he's, he started off right, man. He started off right. So shout shout to Hartenstein, man. We gonna we gonna have to get behind you right now. You're gonna have to get behind you right now. So far, so good. You challenge Anthony Davis, and it's not even just—it's not even just Art and Stein. It's the team. Yeah, it's the team because we have been undersized in spots, but our team defense has really been good. So to bring it back to the game, right? Uh, you saw versus the Lakers the way we we. We swarmed to the open three. The first quarter today was probably the best de- point defense I've seen the Knicks play. 100%. The entire year, which is great considering what the Nets are. The Nets are the number two three-point shooting team in the NBA and put up the sixth most, most attempts in the NBA. 
So for the Knicks to be able to shut them down the way they did is a great sign. And they did it great in the first quarter, for sure. But not only that, uh, defensively, the Knicks were able to even kind of limit the paint touches. We outscored them in the paint, 52 to 40. And you saw R.J. Barrett, you saw Dante DiVincenzo, you saw Josh Hart. We saw a lot of people kind of play the three-point defense and in the paint defense. And this is what Tibbs had in mind when he says, stop the paint and stop the three. Like, this is this is exactly what he had in mind. And they did that for the first quarter. Now, they didn't really do it for the second quarter like that. It's funny. The second unit is usually the best defensive unit. The first unit, to me, um, played better defense than the second unit, which is the first time I've seen that <laughs> uh, since I've been watching. Um but uh, yeah, they did a great job, and Dante Divincenzo in particular, he looks like the best team defender on the squad right now. Isn't he? Yes. Yeah, I don't know if you have anything to add. This is the best I've seen the starting five left in a while, too, consistently at least from the Laker game on. I like. I mean, Hardenstein is just a better. He what he's not the defensive card that Mitchell Robinson is, but on offense, he's definitely the linchpin. He keeps the ball moving when he catches it. He's able to make smarter reads and smarter passes than Mitch Robinson. He has better hands. He finishes around the a bat around the basket better. I think he makes better decisions when it's an offensive rebounder and where to put it than Mitchell Robinson does too. And he's he's not a bad rim protector and shot blocker. I mean, he, he's got he had some balance. He had that nasty shot shot block in the third quarter, I think, where he, he stuffed the shit out of some bum that went to the rim. I can't remember his bridges or <laughs> bridges is not a bum. Cam Thomas, I mean, it's an, is an empty bucket. He's at a bigger Alonso like Trier. Thomas, actually. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm not a fan. I, I don't think I've ever seen Cam Thomas score over 20 in the Nets win, but I've heard a lot of talk about him for a most improved player, which uh, whatever to me is Al Prince and done. <laughs> Getting off topic. Uh, <laughs> I have very much liked the way the starting lineup is looking. To me, all that begins and ends with Julius Randle keeping the ball moving. And he has made a conscious effort to do that. And it takes a lot of the pressure off of Brunson to be passed first. Brunson can continue cooking even when he's on ball or off. And Randle keeps the rock moving and making better decisions and knowing when to score and taking higher percentage shots as well. If just R.J. Barrett could get back to the ball that he was playing the first quarter of the season pre-Migraine, if that could happen... I think this team to do a Miami Heat level run, not win at all, but a run. I think it's RJ, but I'm I'm a, I'm a comment. I'm gonna build off what you said before that, which is the best the the starting five playing the best basketball. Um, the new additions, the Hartenstein and DiVincenzo have kind of given them a different look. Uh, DiVincenzo has given them a consistent three point threat where teams have to be fearful because if you give that man more than two seconds of open space, three is going in probably 50% of the time. And we read the benefits of that. It's, it's, it's giving Randall more time to bully ball people. It's giving him outlets to kick it out. And we've benefited from that. Also, the mo- the mobility of those guys on defense has, has been really good. Dante is not the best point of attack defender, but he's not bad, but he's above average um, team defender. And they really helped out Hartenstein played one-on-one defense against these bigger centers mm-hmm. as a team. So we've been getting by on that. And offensively, between between Dante's high steal rate and Hartenstein's passing in the fast break, the pace of our team in that first unit has picked up. We scored 21 points. Yeah, 21 fast break points today. 
Um, and even that the team just did a good job of just running. You know, already you already know RJ likes to run. He gets all he gets a lot of his baskets on the run. Yeah. And Randall actually he he did he he learned some basket hanging from LeBron James after the Clippers game. <laughs> so he got a couple of easy packets baskets that way. But that that starting lineup has infused some kind of new light into us. So it's working out pretty well, right? Concerning your three point shooting too, at second half, I was very thankful. Every shot they took was a brick from from three. They still shot forty seven times, but they don't held them to thirty two. I think the first half it was really the defense. The second time, second half, we just got very lucky that they bricked a lot of of a three ball. I like the assist. Twenty four is not going to be lead leading, maybe not even top ten, probably not even top fifteen, but it's better than than where we usually at in the early 20s, between 20 and 21, some games were even 19. So I would like to know what the record is when we have 23 or 24 assists and more. But I really like the way that the ball was moving, even if it didn't like lead to an assist. A lot of nice hockey assists in this game, too. And I think everyone's getting involved in that, and that's just a byproduct of Hartenstein being with the starting unit and playing a whole lot of minutes, too. You're getting one of your top three passers out there on the court way more than usual between, to me, it's him, RJ, and Randall over three best passers. No, it's funny. Even I was doing that some... Ball behind. I was doing some weird like stat stat looking just to like look at things. And I was just looking at NBA team assist stats. And you know what I realized, Lee? What's that? Uh a lot of the top teams in the league who lead the league in assist are the NBA's worst teams. <laughs> mm. Even Indiana? Uh even in the Indiana. Um I mean, granted, Indiana has kind of fallen off lately. There, there's the top five teams in the East and the top five teams in the West. Um on both sides, you know, eight out of ten of those teams aren't in the top fourteen in assist. Okay. Only two teams are top are top in assist. That's the Kings. And the the Nuggets makes sense. Everybody else, the the Celtics. I don't think it's like the Celtics, the the Magic. Um, this is off the top of my bill. My gosh, but all the other teams are like at the bottom of the league. I think the top, maybe the fifteen or fourteen, might be the Timberwolves. So it, it was it was just very interesting. It was very interesting to see like what the assist of the league team, what are the high assists for the teams are and how that correlates to wins. And it's like, it, it just seems like the teams who really pass the ball, pass the ball because they have to, because they don't have top end talent. <laughs> or the teams who are really, Denver has that generational assist guy who's so good that man, it, it just makes sense to build a team around a guy who can, who can generate assists the way he can. And then 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 there's the Kings who who are kind of the anom- anomaly in that top 10 where I don't know if they have like a generational assist guy on their team but they're playing pretty well. And I think they're like top 6 in assists. I have to look it up right now. I'm going off, I'm going off memory. Sure. That's ve- that's very interesting. Yeah. It's just interesting. That doesn't mean I want I want our team to um not pass the ball anymore. But it does mean that, you know, for our personnel, ideally, I would like to be that Jokic 
type of team where all the team is just like a glow trotter. We back cutting and we're getting assists all over the place. But in reality, I know we have bucket getters. We have clutch bucket getters. Our goal might be to get in that top 14 or something. You know what I'm saying? Top 14, five, top 13 instead of bottom. <laughs> instead of, uh, I think we're like 28th right now. So I yeah. think that might have to be our real goal to really get into team contention for, for me it's about for me it's about who's out there like when it when before mitch got hurt when it was at mitch uh brunson and randall i expect the assists to be lower because you got one guy who doesn't touch the ball and mitch and two guys who are best when they're in isolation and half court sets and this game is slowed down but when it's rj leading that second unit or iq is now the point of attack and brunson sitting those are the moments where i think the assists should be higher at a higher ratio because that means those guys are playing alongside the Hearts and the DiVincenzos uh, and the Quentin Grimes, guys who need that extra pass to get them open uh, around the perimeter or in, in backdoor cuts and find them for easy layups. Though, th- so to me, it's all about like situational, more so than o- overall. And if Randall and Brunson play 40, 42 minutes, I expect the assist numbers to be lower. Yeah, I can definitely see that. But I mean, I, recently at least anyway, I, I feel like when Grimes got to the second unit, they made it their their mission to get him the ball. But I feel like IQ has been kind of shot hunting a lot lately. Like, especially yeah. in that first half. I feel like everybody else was doing cardio. I feel like I feel like <laughs> like IQ sure. was, was like throwing it up. Everybody was just kind of uh running back and forth for that second unit. The second unit is really what kind of got the Nets back into the game. And they didn't the second unit didn't do a, as good as a job anticipating where to go in that three point um rotation and they got and they got i feel like cam thomas got a lot of open threes um but that second unit we can't lose that assist that assist uh what's the word i'm looking for chemistry from that second unit we still have to be able to move the ball with that second unit typically it is i think maybe having a hartenstein with the first unit more and sims or some combination of going really small I think might be throwing that off a little bit, but I think in point. most circumstances, it's. I think it'll be okay. That's a good point. Yeah. Salute to the chat. Salute to the chat. As a, we, we're supposed to be celebrating when we got some bad news in the middle, but we're still going to celebrate this one, right? Salute to the chat. Shout out to Marshall L. Shout out to Nick Yak, Gregory Lee, uh, Alexander, Nick's Nation TV, uh, Felicia Lee. Gamer channel, everybody else is rocking with the KOT show. If you like the show, hit that like and subscribe button. And also, you can, there's a Discord. There's a, there's a Discord. Did I even put the Discord link in the chat? If you want to talk next basketball with us, you can join the Discord and give us your thoughts on players, game, etc., etc. I'm not sure if, Chris, did you put the Discord in the chat? Maybe I could pin it. Uh, and Felicia, I did see your question. I, I just saw the question. We kind of moved, switched topics, but I'll, I'll address your question, Felicia. Um, Felicia asked about Vujicic. Mm. Now, for what I know of Vujicic, from what I know of Vujicic, the price tag might the vice the price tag is high. Uh so I don't think it's likely because of what he's getting paid. I don't know exactly what's getting paid, 
off the top of my dome, but I just remember at the time when the Chicago Bulls was looking to to rebuild, I remember the contract being a big deal. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm, I feel like he might be out of the price range. I can check it out. And defensively, he's definitely not the type of guy that Tibbs would, would like. He's, he's kind of seen as a traffic cone on defense. Totally. So I don't think that's likely for us either because it's so far from what Tibbs is used to. But he's averaging, what is he averaging? 16 points a game. 27. Woo, and the three-point shooting is cradled. Wow. He's shooting yeah, 27% from three this year. Woo. 34 last year. He's been below average his, for the last few years. Um, after shooting 38% in 20, 2021. Uh, so yeah, there's chemistry issues over there, though, for sure. That could be contributing to why he's doing that. But um, yeah, with the defense being the way it is and the three-point shooting cradling, that might be that might be a risk. That I feel like he's he, an excellent hmm? rebounder. He's actually one of the better playmakers in the league. So, so many of his Euros coming over here are developing guard skills and bringing them with them into the NBA. But uh, to me, it's he brings a lot of what Hartenstein brings. Mm-hmm. I think he's way better offensively and has a, a deeper bag oh, than yeah. Hartenstein offensively. But you're paying four or five times the amount for what Hartenstein is. So to me, that's that's someone who's past – they're either at the end of their – the tail end of their prime or past their prime, and their contract extends beyond their prime. That's not a good candidate for it to go out to, especially you don't want to overspend or overtrade for the five position. It's just this ain't the 90s or the early 2000s anymore. You know, we're not worrying about a shack out there because um, of the way the Joker's beating you is his dominance in almost every other way but posting up, even though he can. So to me, we should be a little bit more reserved because we do have a defensive player of the year candidate waiting to come back. Let's not blow too much of our assets on a center. Vucevic would be a horrible get for us. Uh, let's see. He's making 18 a year. I mean, that's not bad, but he's 33. Mm-hmm. He's 33. Yeah, I don't want to. Nah, I'll pass. Yeah. Same. Yeah, like I actually like like uh the other uh the dude the dude in uh the Pelicans, but I can't see them moving him. Right yes, Valanciunas. Yeah, Valanciunas. I would love Valanciunas yes. here. Me too. Me too. But um, I don't know. I can't see them moving him because they're still in the in the thick of things, you know. But I think he's a free agent next year. But uh, obviously, like the way the Knicks are set up right now, we don't really have free agency money. Everything would be sign and trade situation. So uh, he would have to be like, hey, well, I want to come to the Knicks. And, we would, and he would have to finagle his way here. I'm not sure if we're in, even positioned to do that because I mean, we have some other fish to fry. <clears throat> we have some Agreed. Other- and, and you made a great point earlier. Valanciunas, the Pelicans are doing very well right now. Um Brandon Ingram's balling. CJ McCollum's came back. He's been playing very well, shooting very high percentages. Herb Jones has solidified that starting spot. That Trey Murphy off the bench. There's really no reason for them to give up their starting center, especially when they don't have a whole lot of depth behind them at the five. That's pro- the five and the one are probably their two weakest positions in terms of depth. So I don't see Valanciunas being moved at all. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Even though I love him. <laughs> yeah, I still feel like I still feel like you know. That that lockdown wing power forward is something we need to go for. Actually, like you know, maybe 
Finley Smith, I kind of like him, man. I love him. He's one of the few Mavs I liked. He, I mean, he has hot and cold seasons, not nights, seasons <laughs> from three, but he always gives you dog defense. I think he's he's taller than he looks. I think he's set seven or set six, and Dallas is playing him at the power forward position on their Western Conference Finals run. So, I mean, he can guard some of the bids too. Uh, and when he's hot, he's very deadly. He's one of the best 3 and D players in the league. But man, that shot is shaky. I still think Kelly Oniet is a guy who I would go after on a cheap deal, a cheap trade. That's just me. I, I think I like what he brings to the team. I like how different it would be for Mitch. Yeah, I think this year he's shooting around 40%, and he's been mm-hmm. good at defense. Yeah, seven he's year. a little bit injury prone. And I don't know, he has, he has, he has a little dog. You know, I like that dog. Like, he's being mm-hmm. he's being the, the hell of the Nets, and he's like, you know what, I don't care. I'm going to dunk on you. I kind of yep. like that. <laughs> Me too, bro. I kind of like that. I kind of like that. We we busting your ass, and he's like, whatever. I don't care if you're down twenty. I'm don't get it on you because I don't like the fact that you're just being an ass like that. Like, I I kind of like that. So I don't know. We already know Jeremy Grant. We both team Jeremy Grant for sure. Oh hell yeah. <laughs> that's the one. Hell yeah. That's the one guy we kind of agreed on. I wish they had a, another big in Portland that we could do a a, a larger trade for, but. Uh, Aiden's not going anywhere, and I don't want Aiden. But I, I just don't have anyone really off the bench that made sense for us as a backup four or five. No, nah, I agree. I agree. I agree. Oh, I see man. Moses Brown. Oh, the man, what Brown. Hmm? Moses Brown is ass. I see someone in Nits Nation TV talking about Moses Brown. Bro, Moses Brown on his eighth team in two years, man. <laughs> Moses Brown is he is doo doo, man. Nah, that that's not it. That's not it. Nah, that's for not sure. It. For sure. For sure. For sure. Yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. But yo, good women. Man, I hate I hate this news kind of put a damper on his wing. I'm ready to dance and stuff. Uh, we still can, bro. We still can dance. All right. Get the gunshots going. Get the gunshots yeah, let's going. Let's go. Because at the end of the day, we beat the Brooklyn Paint Jobs. We beat the gentrified Brooklyn team. And no we did what you're supposed to do. I get to go back to work and rub it in my coworkers' face. So everybody has Nets fans as coworkers. Have a great day tomorrow. Make sure you wear your orange and blue. Make sure you dance. You rub it in their face, and you let them know who is the better New York team. Right? They definitely got to do that. They're in a funky spot. I can't tell. Like, are they rebuilding, or are, do they think they can remain competitive? They need to make a choice, and we need to make it fast. So it's okay to let Ben Simmons rot in street clothes on the bench because I think that's where he's going to be for the rest of his career. But they have some pieces I think a lot of contenders would overspend on. The Royce O'Neal, the Dorian Finney-Smith, even the uh, Den Shitty at the point. Those are guys I think a lot of teams would, would 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 give up really good assets for. They should be selling high right now, in my opinion. Cam Johnson, um, Bridges, all those guys should be out. Keep Cam Thomas because he's young, cheap, and he's filling out the bot stores. He's entertaining. But everyone else, I would get rid of. That's just me. It's it. They're at a crossroads right now. They're really at a crossroads because they're obviously they're they're a a team filled with wings who are going to compete from night to night. But they don't have the top end talent. They're just kind of like the feel good team. So like they have enough. T- they old. act. They have enough assets from that KD trade to make a move to try. But like it's like it one of those things where it's like seen. when people when every people everybody start hunting. Um, will it be star hunting too? Like I, I can still see them making a move for Donovan Mitchell. They have enough assets for him, so I can see that. So I can see them trying to be compete and then make a move for Mitchell and maybe compare him with Bridges or whatever. Uh, so like I, I feel like they're just trying to stay afloat right now and trade for a star. I think that's what they're doing. 
Probably. I was going to say they're one of the oldest rebuilding teams I've ever seen. <laughs> they're rebuilding, but everyone's over the age of 25. I mean, Cam Thomas had the only real young player with any potential. I was surprised. I mean, Cam, Cam Johnson's like 29, almost 30. I was like, damn, he's this old. Yeah, he's he's close to 30. I didn't realize he had been in the NBA so long. Oh, wow. Why does he look so young? He does. <laughs> he does look young. He's at that baby face. Yeah, he does. I like his Yeah, game he's 27. Though. I like his game, though. Yes, me too. <laughs> we love him in New York. For sure. For sure. Listen, man. I don't know what the Nets are on, but shoot, if I can, they got a bunch of wings that we can take a look at. Like, like Macau, Macau played like doo doo today, man. I, I feel like the the weight of the franchise is too heavy for him right now, mm-hmm. and he's kind of buckling a little bit. Like now that he's been on the scouting report for the full year, the, the things that he was kind of doing on the fly isn't really working like it used to, and he's kind of feeling the grunt of that. Which is fine. You're like you're not a real number one. That's fine. You can be number three with the Knicks. That's fine. <laughs> yep, sure can. Yeah, we can. Come on over. Come on over, Macau. Come on over. I would love him. Love his personality. I think he's like built for it. He's high character, and obviously the chemistry with all the Villanova guys would be amazing. I think it's a trade. I think RJ Barrett would for sure be on the way out to get him, uh, and he's a huge upgrade there over Barrett. Which we we need to talk about Barrett, bro. It's time. Um, RJ Barrett today, he hasn't, he still hasn't gotten back to the pre-migraine stages where he used to be. He's kind of just had some okay games. Mm-hmm. He, he's been playing well defensively today. Mm-hmm. Not a bad game today, actually. 5 of 11, 45% from the field, five rebounds of one block, plus 13 on the night. Actually, not a bad game today. Um... But he's kind of just been middle of the road of the last few games, um, and he's had like a he had a he's had a stretch of like horrible games to now a stretch of like middle of the road games so far. But I don't know what what are your thoughts on RJ Barrett? I think it's concerning. I think the dip in production is very concerning. It's his de- his defensive effort has been inconsistent, but you knew that the package was always there for him to be a high-level defender. Um, but offensively, that's been the worry, especially his three-point shooting, his overall efficiency. And it's been between mediocre and awful since he's returned back from that migraine. He hasn't been able to put together a solid rhythm. And as, I can't remember who it was on Twitter. Uh, might have been Nitsonator, who said, who is a player that we win despite of? not because of, and immediately I thought R.J. Barrett. Like, R.J. Barrett is never really the reason that we win, but the fact that he has a bad game, we still win too. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's, I think it's a cause of concern. I'm not saying boot his ass out of New York, but I do believe that the front office probably thinks the same as I do, which is when we, they do make a trade, he's going to be the centerpiece they hope to include over someone like Emmanuel Quickly, mainly because his salary works better for a, a mid-name player after that extension, but that's the position that needs to be upgraded. It can be Dante DiVincenzo or Quentin Grimes, the two. We've already talked about how that role, that starting role, it is what it is. And it's very limited. It's that three spot, the the third prong of our trio that needs to be upgraded significantly, I think, before we are finals contender. Uh, and RJ hasn't shown that he can be that guy. I want him to, but I hate that. I feel like I'm right again where the ceiling I thought for him was where it was about a year ago. I want to be proven wrong, and there's still lots of time. And I'm holding out, but it doesn't look good. 
Yeah. Um. Well, I feel like IQ. I want IQ to say, but I feel like he might be the most likely candidate, like you said, because of price, price and production, the combination mm-hmm. of the two. Um. That's one. Two. Uh, it's it's funny because. I do feel like defensively he's way better than last year. Um, even though, even like last game, right? Knicks versus Lakers, he blocked. Uh, he fouled on a three point shot with the game on the line, which is a bad play. But for the most part, I felt like our three point defense was really good a lot. And our interior defense is really good, partly because RJ Barrett played really good defense. Um, the three-point shooting, though, has been a concern for me. I've been worried about the shooting for a while. Every time he's something, a bad shooting I happen, I look at Ebony and go, Ebony, I don't know, man. I don't know. <laughs> um, but today was a decent game. Like the, the thing, the things that I have seen from him is the floater has been decent. But everything has just been decent. It's, everything has been decent. That hasn't been super bad recently. It's just been kind of okay. So the I'm not sure where he lands next year or end of the year. Like, I'm not sure if he lands into that upper echelon player or if he's just going to kind of be the okay player. Right now, he's kind of, right now, this moment, he feels more like an okay player. Um, the one thing that is encouraging that I like to. The one thing that's encouraging that I that's usually a sign that the shooting is going to turn around or is going to take a turn for the better is usually the foul shooting. He's been I think he's hit like 20 something straight shots. Mm-hmm. His field his foul shot has gone up to like 80 something percent. I'm going off the top of my brain. And usually when your shooting starts to to hit, the first thing, the first sign that your shooting is going to come is going to get there is the foul shooting and that's been consistent. So I'm hoping I'm hoping that's the good sign that RJ is going to turn it around with with his shooting touch in general. But right now he's just been really kind of middle of the road. I agree, and uh, we've all agreed. There's no one out there that is worth trading for that moves the needle and brings his team to a different echelon. And we also, you and I agree specifically. I think maybe only you and I agree on this is that the determining factor of our playoff run is RJ Barrett more so than Julius Randle or Jalen Brunson. RJ is a player who can, we can either boom or bust uh, with his play. And I'm actually okay if he continues the regular season the way that he is and then reverts back to playoff RJ last year and how he was getting to the hoop in the playoffs. I'm okay with that being our third option until we make that bid swing for a, a superstar or a player better than Brunson and Randle, maybe just at a star-level player. But if this is it, and this is how I, this 14-15 middling 38, 42% from the field, 34% from three, continues all season into the playoffs. Well, now we're going to end up selling low. And that means another squander asset-wise from the front office. You know, it's funny. I might update that take only because I'm going to see what happens as far as the end of the year. Um, The play of Julius Randle, like, like Julius Randle's blowing my mind right now. Julius Randle's blowing my mind right now. So if your two best players have gotten better, and then we actually have legit shooting in from three from Dante, RJ just doesn't have RJ to me can 
I, it would be optimal if he got better and, and was able to be a shooter too. But it gives us a little bit of wiggle room, just a little bit more wiggle room. Um, so I, I'm going to wait and see how everything kind of unfolds for me. I think, I think the best point I can point to to combat that stance is that like RJ, uh, Randall and Brunson have been playing ball, balls out so far this year, and we've only a handful of games over 500, and are still struggling to beat good teams consistently. And that's with RJ, I mean, with Randall playing the best ball of his career and Brunson playing the best ball of his career and sparing his three-point shot. So to me, it's like those two guys at their best, I think this is about what we are. Now we're starting to beat good teams, but I don't think we're going to be a team that consistently beats good teams. I think it's going to be maybe half and half, and we still smack the shitty teams uh, throughout the season. But RJ, to me, if RJ was on, I don't think there's a team in the NBA that really scares me. Oh yeah, if our day is on everything, and then everything, then everything kind of falls into place. But I guess, I guess, my question is, what are good teams? What is your definition of good teams, right? Because we have bad teams, then we have the middle road teams, and then we have the contenders. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Uh, so during this stretch, where we we playing better defense, we're starting to beat good teams finally after being on the road. Um, but like, are, are do you consider contenders a good team? Or do you consider them contenders? Because right, because like even like the Clippers lost, like the Clippers looking like contenders to me, man. Like the Clippers don't look like a good team to me. The Clippers look like a, a freight train. Um, with Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, like they look like a freight train. The Celtics look like a freight train. There are certain teams that look like a freight train. And then there's like that middle team, mm-hmm. that middle tier. Like, are we beating the middle tier teams? Like, I feel like the middle tier teams might be us. It could be like Orlando. It could be, well, we lost to Utah. OKC. Huh? OKC. OKC. Dallas, Sacramento. Yeah. Memphis. Now the Jaws back. Now the Jaws back. So, like, and then it's the contender teams. Like, I'm not sure. Like, the, the, the contender teams will be, like, the Clippers are a contender team. The, the Nuggets, for sure. Celtics. I'm putting in 76. The seven, I'm not sure where to put the 76ers, man. Freaking Embiid is, is balling out of his mind, though, yo. So, I, I kind of feel like I want to put them in a contending. contending. To me, it's, it's, these two games coming up in this Milwaukee are going to be very telling. Yeah. I, I don't think we have to beat both for me to be, like, we're beating contending teams. It's what's the effort in both of those? Because I think they come very close to each other. I want to see from the first game to the second game what changes are made, uh, and I want to see how well we move the ball against that team. Yeah, I want to see how well we defensive rebound and offensive rebound with Mitch out against that team. How we contain Brett Lopez with Sims and Hartenstein guarding him, opposed to Mitch, who's always had trouble. All those things I think are very important. Is the effort? Are we, are we really? Do we lose both, but by single digits, four or five points? Then I would still feel pretty good about that. But if we did effing smacked, but the Clippers did us, different story. Yeah, this is gonna be for me. For me, I'm gonna see what Randall is doing because I feel like Randall was absolutely phenomenal versus the Bucks, at least offensively. My gripes mm-hmm. with him was defensively. He to me, he totally. just checked out defensively for yes. about three quarters. And if he plays defensively like he's been on the road. Then I think we should fare a lot better. 
Also, I feel like Jalen Brunson's three-point shooting kind of abandoned us during that that uh, that game versus the Bucks. Um, so if he if we can get a good game from both of those guys at the same time, like the Lakers, then it's looking like something different as well. So so far, it's been one guy been playing well versus the Bucks in the first game, and in the second game, it's been the other guy. We haven't had both of our main guys clicking versus the Bucks, and I think we're gonna need that. So um, I'm curious to see how that goes. But yeah, I really want to see how we look in general against the Bucks, the Celtics, um, the Bucks, the Celtics, the 76ers. Like, I want to see how we're gonna look. Mm. Yeah. Somebody asked for Bamba. Is Bamba good? Is Bamba even available? Because he's a, he's with the 76ers now. But I'm not even sure if he's like available. Or if they even want to trade him. <laughs> I, I can't see Tibbs putting up with Bamba. <laughs> I really can't. I mean, he, he blocked shots. I mean, I guess it's the motor thing. He's he's the archetype. Mm-hmm. He's the archetype. But he sucked. Hmm? He's an archetype, but he's not any good. <laughs> yeah. 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 He just hasn't put together. Yeah, he might we we haven't right. seen enough of a sample size. He might be right. I feel like he's doing okay with the 76ers for the last I checked. Um, but I'm, I'm not sure they would want to move him anyway, considering he's the backup over there. But uh, yeah, man, we're gonna be scouring the, the streets for some backup centers, man. Woo, this is rough, rough time right now. Ah, but salute to the chat, salute to the chat. Uh, thank you guys for watching. I don't know, do you have any bro picks or anything? Um. Man, I thought it was something. Oh yeah, Republican nominee Donald Trump, my guy, is <laughs> taking off of the ballot by the Denver Supreme Court. This will go to the Supreme Court, but I think it's an interesting dynamic that happens. It's going to be decided on the insurrection part. Uh, there's been a lot of really, really bad attempts by Democrats to try to indict him, to impeach him, and to bar him from running. And I, I, don't, I don't think all of the collusion, all that, that BS to be the real ones in this insurrection. I 100% believe that he was a factor in it. They left his rally and went to the Capitol. They left his rally where he said, don't overturn that shit. And then there we are acting like dumbasses getting shot and knocked off buildings, which they all deserve. Uh, so wild times in the United States of America was he was run on with that. But hey, man, let's not forget, Leah Stabito's back. That means book club is back, too. All right, today, I got Paul Thomas Anderson, the great American director. You, uh, you not see it? Okay, anyways, beautiful book here. Uh, you can't see it, but just take my word for it. It's his masterworks. It is a pictorial illustration of stills and images and writings from the great director, Paul Thomas Anderson. He of Buddy Nights, he of The Master, he of There Will Be Blood, some of the greatest pieces of cinema of the last 50 years, and, and protege of Martin Scorsese. And this book goes through all of his writing, stripped uh, uh, edits, all the actors that have talked about who have worked with him, Philip Seymour Hoffman, Dale Day-Lewis, beautiful book. Uh, I'm a big film guy, so it was great to get that as a Christmas gift from my ex-girlfriend. Rest in peace. Uh, I appreciate you, and I appreciate that gift. I hope you're doing well. You're watching. Yeah. But you're... All right. So I just on the bro pick. Bruh. <laughs> <laughs> Long story oh, short, bro. <laughs> uh, man. All right, Pete. Shout out to Lee's Book Club recommendations. <laughs> Let me know if any of you, any of you guys. <laughs> 
have gotten any of these books, let you know how what you thought of it. Hey, All please right. let me know. Yeah, yeah. No doubt. We have a book club. Just, just Nick said, yo, Tom said Josh Hart can play the five. Oh, bro. <laughs> I mean, Josh Hart did play the five in garbage time. Garbage time, though, thank God. <laughs> he did. I have a bro pick, man. Mm-hmm. My bro pick is to the NBA referees as a whole. So this has been the worst ref referee referee year I can remember with a bunch okay. of memorable bad play calls to decide games. Um Kevin Durant uh Kevin Durant being fouled at the three-point line and the refs looking at the taping deciding that it wasn't a foul. Um was one that stood out. The misuse of game film in general, uh, missing fouls while watching it in slow motion has been atrocious. But the flopping call has been Bruh. basura, as Ryan G would say. And what makes it worse is it's a good idea in theory to penalize players for flopping. But they never seem to actually penalize players from flopping. They they so far the Knicks in particular have gotten like three or four flopping calls after legitimately getting fouled or not flopping at all. Bruh. <laughs> or falling. And today was no different. It was a play today when Emmanuel quickly pulls up for three in the corner, hits a, a miraculous shot falling down. And because he fell down, the rest called the flop. And the Nets missed the technical shot. And we all, at the same time, the Knicks Nation said it all at once to the TV. But on that. All right? Bruh. <laughs> As he missed the technical shot. So, yeah, my bro pick goes to the rest for the horrible, horrible interpretation of the flopping call. It's been a failure for these refs in the NBA this year. Good rule. Horrible execution. Yeah. Oh, I got an oop pick. You got an oop pick. What you got? Cardi B single. <laughs> what? Cardi, if you watching, baby. If you watching, man. Fly through. I'll show you all of the spots in Dallas. Got sushi spot on deck. Got a whole date day planned for you. Cardi B, come be my one and only. I'm obsessed. I love you, girl. I know you're single. I treat you right. Oh, I'm my God. Upset. Come on, baby. Come to Dallas. Let me teach you that Southern hospitality. I'll take you to ecstasy. We'll have a great time. Smoke some hookah. We'll get some strippers. Let's go have some fun. Let's go. Oh, oh okay. Oh. I- <laughs> Lee, I hate that. Uh, I'm, I'm going to tell you exactly what's going to happen, Lee. Mm-hmm. I'm going to tell you exactly what's going to happen. What's that? Offset and Cardi B are getting back together. Damn, bro. At Chris- around Christmas, okay? Come on. I'm telling you. So enjoy the fantasy holidays, in your head while you- it lasts. But well, hey, what's all- more... Christmas is gonna what, come. What, Offset is gonna buy her like a pony or something. What's more of a pipe dream, Cardi B and me or Lori Mark into the Knicks? That's <laughs> pretty close. Neck and neck. It's pretty close. Nah, it's Cardi B and me. Come on, man. I don't know, man. <laughs> you seen Danny Ainge? <laughs> Danny Ainge hates the Knicks, bro. Like I don't know. Both deals with the devil. You know what I mean? I might put my money on you and Cardi. Let's go. I might, <laughs> I might put my money on you and Cardi before larking to the next man. Kingdom of thoughts, baby. Kingdom of thoughts. Let's go. <laughs> if there was a parlay, 
I might go with you and Cardi. And just, My God. Maybe you'll break up before New Year's, but, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I just need one night. That's all I'm asking for. Oh, my God. That's all I'm asking for. <sighs> yep. Gotta have a... Yeah. Unpredictable. That is our show. Thank you guys for watching. All right. Shout out to Nikki. Shout out to Alexander. Shout out to Felicia, Felicia Lee. Felicia is back. Hope you heard my our village Valentina's uh, breakdown. Shout out to JW. Says Drummond and DeRozan. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Boring. We will Awful. see. Thank you guys for watching. Um, yeah, we'll be back. We'll be back next. It's funny. Nick, I will actually be at the Bucks game. So I'm trying to figure out what route we're doing with the show. Um, shout out to, well, first thing I'll talk to you to see how, how that's going to roll. Cause I'm not sure if I'll be able to actually do the show right after the game. So I don't know if you guys might have to run it or uh, wait for me to come Christmas back home. Christmas Day? Hmm? The Christmas game? Yo, that too. Like, I'm trying to figure out how the next two games in particular. I'm trying to figure out how we're going to do the Christmas game too. Like, should we? Because usually I do Christmas games. Usually I do. I, usually I don't even ask. I just do the Christmas games dolo. Because I don't, I'm not trying to be a Grinch and actually I'll do a Christmas game. That's just crazy. But um, I'm going to be my, I might, I, because I'm in Jersey now and I'm not in Brooklyn, like for me to do the Christmas game and then and then go to my fam afterwards is like a taller task. So I might, I saw it, we might end up just doing the Christmas game the next day. Next day. Okay. That might make more sense this year because. Uh yeah, so that's what I'm thinking. But um, okay. So yeah, we'll see what we'll see how that goes. But that Bucks game, it it might be that Bucks game, that bus that Bucks post game might be a little bit later that day if anybody's available. Um, and not right after like we usually have it, but uh, we'll keep you posted. Okay. Bet. Alright, cool. But that is our show. Um, thank you guys for watching. Lee, let them know where they can find you. Uh, find me on Twitter at underscore Lee Estrebedo, L-E-E-E-S-C-O-B-E-D-L. I turn my blur off. Here it is, Paul Thomas Anderson's Masterworks. Beautiful book, hardcover, about $39.99 at Barnes & Noble. Definitely worth that. And check out his films. That's the song. That's the song. All right. You can find us at the KOT Show on Twitter, the Nick of Time Show on Instagram, and the Nick of Time Show on Facebook as well. So Definitely check us out on those platforms. And, yeah, we'll be back next game, man. As always, shut out the worldwide west. Everywhere we go, we leave a worldwide mess. It's a mess out here in these Knicks YouTube streets. Knicks over nets. That's what I like. That is our show. We are out of here. Peace. New York, New York, big city of dreams. I'm coming, coming, I'm coming straight out. New York, New York, big city of dreams. Yeah. Yeah.